Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is, de- is dedicated anonymously in honor of the Soror and Chira families in celebration of the birth of Rini to Cookie and Richard uh, Soror. As well, uh, the week of Cobra is dedicated loving memory of Sammy Sayed, Levit Shalom, Lilun Yishmat Shalom Ben Rivka, sponsored by his son Isaac Sayed. My friends, as well, today is the Arayat, so we would like to as well dedicate uh, the words of Torah, Lilun Yishmat, a pillar of the community, Berosh Hevar, Avraham Ben Mazal. My friends, uh, we read in this week's parasha, in Tazir and Mitzorah, we read all about the terrible effects of Lashon Hara. And it's a remarkable thing to think about. Because as we said, the week that we just came from, Shemini, we read all about the laws of Kashrut. So in last week's parasha, we read about what you put in your mouth. In this week's parasha, we read about what comes out of your mouth. But the Sefarim tell us, pay attention. If you look in last week's parasha, how many pistukim do you have that discuss all the laws of what you put in your mouth? 47 pistukim. Read them and weep. Go count them. 47 pistukim. Talk about v'etaduchifat, v'etaatalef. You know, the, 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 the hair and the hyrax and the camel and mabarif. Okay? 47 pistukim. How many pistukim does it talk about? Lashon uh, Hara and the aftermath of that. How many pesukim Tazir Misurah does it speak about that? 157 pesukim. Illustrating that a person needs to be at least three times more careful with what comes out of his mouth than what goes into his mouth. My mother, God bless her, has been uh, really the, a driving force behind the JSOR, the Kashrut Agency and Deal, for so, so many years. And recently they started a WhatsApp group for JSOR, where you could post any item, you could ask if it's kosher, you could post uh, kashrut symbols, and my mother is attending to this group day and night, she's answering, she's doing research, Raisa, unbelievable. Her and Rabbi Arking also are working, doing tremendous work with this group. And after a little while, they ran out of a group, the first group, and then the second group, and then the third group, and then the fourth group, and then I think they're on the fifth, fourth or fifth group now of JSOR groups with questions for Ant, with questions of Kashrut, okay? Now to me, Rabotai, this is very interesting, because I don't know about you, but I'm not part of one WhatsApp, I'm in a lot of WhatsApp groups. Mute is my favorite button on the phone, okay? <laughs> a lot of WhatsApp groups. But there's not one WhatsApp group where there's a halakha, like, I want to say that my friend is an idiot. Am I allowed to say that? Like, what's the kashrut of these words that come out of my mouth? There's no hechsher on lines. There's no hechsher on conversations. And my friends, we're seeing over here that it's at least three times more important in terms of real estate in the Torah, what comes out of your mouth than what goes into it. Now, the reason why I think this is such a powerful idea is, my friends, is expressed by the Chachamim. The Pasuk, the Gemara says a very interesting line. The Gemara says, Mila b'sela, a word is worth a sela, a coin, shtikuta betren, but silence is worth double. So what does that mean? Rev. Elia Lopian taught something unbelievable. He said, if you take a look in the story in Egypt, so we know that there were unbelievable sadikim in Egypt. But the sadikim in Egypt were not the Jewish people, they didn't have any mitzvot. <laughs> Who were the greatest sadikim of Egypt? The frogs. The pasuk says that God said the frogs are going to be in their bed, in their pajamas, in their newspaper. Where's the, where else are they going to go? And in your ovens. 
and the frogs jumped into the ovens, willing to be burnt alive in order to fulfill God's command. Misirut nefesh. Who learned from the frogs, by the way? Chananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, three of the Nevi'im, com- uh, compatriots of Daniel, later on in time. So the greatest Jews, the Nevi'im, learned lessons from which Sadiqim? From Jeremiah, uh, Shalom. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, okay? This guy taught lessons to Chananiah, Mishael, Azariah. That's crazy, right? The greatest Sadiqim. What was the reward <coughs> for the misirut nefesh of the frogs in the Tanurecha? The Chachamim explained that Borei Olam, Borei Olam did a miracle for these frogs and they didn't die in the heat of the fires and they were able to survive. Now how long did the frog live after that? He didn't have an HMO. He didn't have uh, Obamacare. How long does a frog live in the, in the wild? He lived another couple of years. Had that lived in the swamp. You know, he got to, you know eat flies for another but there's another animal that we encounter uh, in Egypt that's a sadiq that does something righteous the dogs excellent to all the Jewish people the dogs did not bark when it came time to leave Egypt the dogs didn't utter a sound they were quiet in fact if a dog is barking at you, you're supposed to say, Do you ever do this before? Rabbi, I had a dog chasing me, literally. I said that I had also many examples. I had many examples where I said, yeah, And you know what? The dog was quiet. And then there was many times when I said it, and the dog was not quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally figured it out, by the way. I finally figured it out. If the dog is giant, you're bechaf. You're like, <laughs> it doesn't work. If you're like, if it's a little chihuahua, you're like, <laughs> they're quiet every time. Works like a charm, okay? The point is, my friends, the dogs were quiet, okay? The dogs were quiet. What's the reward for the fact that dogs were quiet? The pasuk says, if you do a shechitana animal, so you have to check the animal to make sure it's not taref. Does anyone know where the word taref comes from? I never in my life, by the way, I was in Israel, and I saw it outside of a kosher of a kosher butcher, and I see that there's pallets of meat getting offloaded a truck, and I see kasher on the side of the box, kasher, kasher, kasher. Then I see two boxes, taref. Did you ever see something marked Taref? I wanted to go on the JSOR group. I'm like, is this Taref according to all the opinions? Is it Taref Limehadrin? You're like, do I wait six hours after I eat? Right? I had lots of funny questions I wanted to ask, but my mother would have killed me. Either way, the point is, Taref, why is in Israel, if something's not kosher, it needs to be marked. Did you know that? Legally, non-kosher meat in Israel needs to be marked. This is a long time ago. Probably we got more progressive since then. But the point is, at least back then, Kasher, taref. If you had basar lavan, you were selling uh, bacon or pork or whatever, you had to let people know. This is not anything else. This is not another, this is not another, what's it called? <laughs> Rob, I'm so innocent. I'm a rabbi. My whole life I ate kosher. So one time, <laughs> one time I was doing a barbecue for uh, Lag Bahomer. <laughs> so I went online to find the picture of a barbecue. I had all different steak, this, that. Anyway, I put it up. I was like, come to the rabbi's house. Delicious barbecue. I took a beautiful picture. Put it there. Someone messaged me immediately. He goes, if you're having pork chops, I'm coming. I was like, what? He goes, the two things in the middle. Those are pork chops. 
By the way, I, I got the most people ever to that barbecue. It's like, oh, I like this kind of rabbi. My kind of eye guy. Okay, fine. So where does the word taref come from? Taref means that the animal is a trefa. It means that it wasn't going to survive because it has problems with its lungs. It's not a healthy animal. So that animal is not kosher. You have to check if it's going to be a trefa. That's why it's called taref. So if the meat that you slaughter is taref, what's the halakha? What do you do? You're supposed to throw that meat to the dog. It doesn't say you throw that meat to your pet tiger or your, or your lion. It doesn't say that you give it, you sell it to a goy, you give it to your, uh, you know, to your, your day worker, or whatever the case might be. It says you have to give it to the dogs. Why? The Gemara says, as payback for what? For the fact that dogs did not bark. I don't understand. And this is so beautiful. Only the Chachamim, only the rabbis, only Judaism could elevate, has the power to elevate everything. We're learning lessons from frogs and dogs. It's unbelievable, right? Says Rabbi Eli, I don't understand. These guys, they jump in the fire. They jump in the fire, okay? And, and what's, what's the end result? They get to live, but they live in a couple of years in a swamp. With the dog, the dog's quiet. And what happens to the dog? The dog gets meat, treats, kibbles, and bits for the rest of his life. Not his life, his children's life and his grandchildren's life. Now dogs are saying Kaddish for those dogs because they still have hakarat atob, right, for the terefa meat that they're getting. Why is that the case? Answers of Eliyopian, you see something unbelievable. You see that the power of staying silent, of holding your tongue, is more powerful than the power of misirut nefesh. More powerful than a person. Why? And this is so amazing. You know, because most people think, you, you know, you're in a situation, someone insults you. So what takes more effort? To say something or not to say something? Physically, to say something is harder than to not say something. It's the lack of doing something. But actually, emotionally, uh, in, our, in our day-to-day, it takes so much more internal strength to keep our mouth shut. It's very, very difficult to do that. And I want to point out this concept. Sorry? Especially you, okay? But Baruch Hashem, most of the things come out of your mouth are valuable, okay? <clears throat> the Torah is teaching us here that there's an incredible premium that's placed on a person keeping their mouth closed, okay? Now, I try, and I always talk about this. You know, you have a lot of to- times people, you know, where, they, uh, where they, w- they complain about different things. Rabutai, a person thinks complaining is not a problem, but actually complaining, saying negative things, Opening up your mouth, even if you think it's harmless, is incredibly damaging, okay? The Pasuk tells us that all these outcomes of tzarat, it comes from a person who speaks Lashon Ara. But where does this Lashon Ara come from? The word of the, of the parasha, the name, gives us a clue. This person is a person who's motzi, mitzora. How does he get tzarat? Because he's motzira. He finds bad things. He's always looking for something. But you ask the guy, how is work today? What does the guy say? Terrible. How's your boss? Thief. How are your friends? They're not loyal. How's the synagogue? Rabbi keeps giving too long classes. <laughs> I didn't say it's not true. I just said it's evil. Either way, the point is, right, that the guy carries on. He's always finding something to criticize. That is his mission in life, to find something to criticize. The seat was too short. The meat was, the food was cold on the plane. The line was long. Now, was the line long? It was long. Was the food terrible? It was terrible. Right? But, but at the same time, Rabotai, what, what did you bring about in the world with opening your mouth? 
And sometimes opening your mouth, although you think it's harmless, ah, oh, I just said it. You don't realize the impact of just even a careless word can have. I want to share with you something that blew my mind from the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon says, it says two times in the Torah, Lo, Lo, Tirsah, right? Thou shalt not kill. But in the two places that it says Lo Tirzach, <coughs> right? In Shemot and in Devarim, the two places that it says, uh, in the two books in which it says, the Aseret that they brought, it spells the word Lo Tirzach differently. In one place it says with a Patah. In one place it says it with a Kamas. Says the Vilna Gaon, blew my mind. The Torah is telling you that you could kill someone, Patah, by opening your mouth. And you can kill someone with kamats, with keeping your mouth shut. Sometimes a person kills somebody by just letting drop. Ah, the guy, this guy, you're going to go to him? He's careless. How are you going to go? Rip off. Gray market goods. Just one word, two words. You destroy the guy's credibility. Destroy the guy's shiduch possibility. You destroy any, it's unbelievable. For, for a casual conversation where you just wanted to feel good with your buddy, you're actually willing to destroy the guy's life. And Rabotai, the opposite is also true. Kamas is the same problem. Sometimes a person experiences a situation where somebody else says something and you have a chance to be able to speak up and to set the record straight or to tell someone, really, you shouldn't be speaking this way. This guy's a murderer because he opened his mouth. You're a murderer because you kept your mouth shut. Powerful. There's a famous line that goes, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good people to stand by and do or say nothing. It is our obligation, my friends, to understand when we should open our mouth and when we should shut it. But this power, this zechut of keeping your mouth shut is a, uh, a reward which lasts for all eternity. My friends, the Talmud tells us that the great Rishoni, the great Tanaim, excuse me, were very careful about the way, especially they spoke about Eretz Israel. Today is your matzmaut, and whatever you feel about the minhagin, and however you feel you're supposed to re react halachically this morning, hashkafically, which means the outlook that we have, it has to be synonymous for all Jewish people. We have to be able to get behind the idea that Eretz Israel is the biggest gift that we ever received. The Jewish people opened up their mouths in the desert, and that alone was not only cause for them to wait 38 years to get into Eretz Israel, but all the people that opened their mouths and all the people that kept their mouths shut and didn't say anything against it, what happened to them? Gone. Rahit. They died. I need you to understand. Says the Pasuk, Zulati, except for Yehoshua and Caliph. Who were the only two people that spoke up and said, it's not true? Yehoshua and Caliph. Lo tirzach bepatach. Lo tirzach you got that? The rabbis tell us that the Tanaim were careful even of being in Eretz Israel. He said he would never go into a room and teach in a room where it was cold because he was nervous that one of the students would say it's cold in here. And that would be considered complaining about Eretz Israel. It's cold in here. What does that have to do with Israel? I'm not denying that Israel's good. I'm just saying I'm cold. Can't say it. Me'olam, says the Gemara, Me'olam lo amar adam. Never did a person say, Sar li ba makom azeh. It is, 
It's too squishy here in Yerushalayim. Now, for many of us, we're familiar with this idea. And what was the miracle? The miracle was that when they all came down to Yerushalayim for Aliyah Regel, so the spaces in the Beit HaMikdash, they widened. So much so the Gemara says, Omdim Tzifufim, they would stand, they would be, uh, you know, tightly packed, all the people, you know, when they were coming for the, uh, for the Beit HaMikdash. But Mishtachavim, when it came time to bow, when the Kohen Gadol would say the name of God in the Avodah, how much space do you take up when you stand? Only the space of your feet. And they were crowded. How much space do you take up when you bow down? Five and a half feet. Okay, if you're Jewish, four and a half feet, whatever, right? Small amount, but still, more than your footprint. And yet the people who were squished when they were standing, mishtachavim, revachim. When they bowed down, revachim, there was enough room. This always bothered me. I don't understand. I don't understand. Hold on. You want to tell me God does a miracle that he uh, stretches Eretz Israel? It's called Eretz Tzvi. Why is it called Eretz Tzvi? Says the Gemara. Because Tzvi is a uh, deer. The skin of a deer fits the deer. If you ever skin a deer and then try to put the deer skin back on the deer, it doesn't fit. Because the skin of the deer stretches to be able to encompass, to hold the entire deer. So the land is called Eretz Tzvi because it stretches to be able to accommodate the Jewish people Am Yisrael. It's a miraculous element of the land of Israel. So look what it says. It says Hashem made it. So I have one question. I don't understand. How much room did you need when you were standing? Tzifufim. You were tight. Right? That means you could be tight. So Mishtachavim, what should it say? Mishtachavim, Tzifufim. They would bow, they would still be tight, but, but they fit. Why is it omdim tzivufim, mishtachavim, revachim? When they bowed, they would have plenty of room. If you need plenty of room, have plenty of room when they're standing. Have plenty of room when they bow. If you don't need plenty of room, be, you know, be tight when you bow and be tight when you stand. And I think that there's something here which is so beautiful. Says the Pasuk, no. Says the Gemara, no. Say Chazal, no. Says God Himself, no. Omdim tzifufim. You're standing. Everybody's stiff. Everybody's worried about their spot. Tzifufim. When everyone's fighting for their place, no matter how much room there is, it's always too tight. Hadda is coming. He's encroaching on my yard. You have, I always, I was the left about this. You had two guys in deal fighting over the marker of the yard. So they said, Rabbi, the guy moved it, he didn't move it, this and that. Anyway, I go to the house. The guy has 900 feet of grass between his house and the fence. I look over the other guy's fence, 972 feet between his house, you know, like deal yard. And what were they fighting over? They were fighting over if the line was here or here. Like, if I tell you, maybe three feet. I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, I, this is a very complicated case. I'm going to need to come back to you. If you could call me up in the year 20,075, I might have time for this nonsense. Get over it. Figure it out. Split the space. So does not make a difference. Omdim tzifufim. Mishtachavim, when people are willing to bend, mishtachavim revachim. If you're looking in Eretz Israel for problems, I swear to you, you'll find many problems. First and foremost, Misrat Apnim. But the point is, there's many different things in Israel that could cause a person to have heartburn. I always say, you know how when you go into certain government offices now, into stores, they have a little thing that dispenses, uh, you know, Purell for your hands, yeah? 
I would say, in certain places in Israel, you know, you go into government buildings, they should have a dispenser, and it dispenses Tums. <laughs> right? Because you get indigestion right before you go in. They should do it prophylactic. You know, you get in there, no problem. You're already, you're already loaded. Yes, the guy, the guy's like, no, these papers are not good enough. You need seven other papers that I didn't tell you you need. Right? You want to find problems with Israel? You find lots of problems. I found lots of problems with Israel when I lived there. But you know what? If I wasn't here on a mission, if I wasn't here doing this, in a second, I would be there. And I'd give up the space, and I'd give up the conveniences, and I'd give up Instacart and Amazon Prime. I'd give up all the conveniences of, Eretz, of this land for Eretz Israel in a second. Okay? Eretz Israel is the most beautiful place on earth, the most spiritual place on earth. It's a place of miracles. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of unity. It's a place of, that belongs to the Jewish people. It's a place where we fight for, where our children lay their lives on the line to protect one another. What an unbelievable place Eretz Israel is. You're looking for problems, it's always going to be too tight. There's always going to be an issue. It's not going to be religious enough. You don't like this, you don't like that. I agree with you. But mishtachavim levachim. You think there's no problems here? There's no problems here. They have marches you don't like there in Tel Aviv, and we have marches you don't like here in New York City. Let's all calm down, take a beat, okay? May Hashem bless us to understand the power of keeping our mouths shut when we have something negative to say. And may Hashem bless us with the courage to open up our mouths when we have something positive and something protective to say about one of our brothers or sisters about Am Yisrael. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Hananya ben